and the phenomena, the experiences we go through, through all these other worlds, it's easy to get lost or caught up in because it is so different than this physical level. It's amazing when you can fly and fly through walls and ceilings and fly above the mountaintops and go into the next dimension and realm or down and breathe underwater or through the ground into something else or shapeshift and other forms. It's amazing if you have those experiences. And oh, what about the UFOs and the flying saucers and the shamans and all these other things that go on? What about channeling? These great teachers, mediumship, and the psychics, Ashtar command. Pleiades. There's a lot of stuff out there in this new age, if you can really call it a new age. I did a lot of it. And it is fascinating and wild, especially if you actually experience some of it and don't just think about it. It is fascinating and amazing. It gets us to not only believe, but to really come to know there really is life beyond the physical. And just for that reason alone, it's all wonderful. Just for that reason that we realize there's life beyond the physical. Because sometimes that's all it takes for us to begin to let go of that fear of death. But the soul truly does continue on its journey beyond this physical world. But then the trick is, well, gosh, if there's life on those other levels, where does that come from? Is there life beyond that level? So the journey continues. We keep looking for the next level of life, of living. Well, what's the experience there? What's the experience there? So let life lead you from experience to experience because that natural curiosity is healthy. That is you, the soul, following that inner call, that pull, that tug to discover, to learn, to come to know what is beyond, step by step. The trick is to not get caught up in any of it, to continue the journey and not think, this is it, I've made it. Okay, I'm on the flying saucer out of here over to Neptune or Pluto or wherever. Sure, there's life. but to continue seeking and going higher. Because all you have to do is look up to that greater truth of spirit. And as you do, loving itself will draw you that is loving to itself. As you look in and up and truly have love within you towards the creator we call God, that loving itself will draw us to itself. It is the merging that which is love draws love to itself, and the soul is love. 
And so in that, the soul is drawn to that source from which it comes. All it has to do is give it the attention, the focus, and have that desire within to return back to the source from which it's come. That's what it takes. Sure, we have this action of initiation in those sacred names of God, the radiant form, the spiritual teacher, loving acceptance, forgiveness. Sure, we have all these things because those are all part of the action of loving, of how we, the soul, move through all these other realms and experiences. But behind any of it, it is simply just the soul looking to love that love returns it back to itself and its source. That's it. It's really that simple. That's the magic in all of these tools and techniques, those sacred names. What do you think they are? That's God's loving in those names as we chant them within. That gets us to focus into the loving so that the loving can bring us back into itself. That's what that is. That's what's happening as we do this meditation on the sound and light of God. Love brings itself back to itself. And you, the soul, are love. And that action of you loving God and God loving you is all that is taking place that brings a soul through all these realms, through all those experiences, to bring it back into itself. So keep that always as your first intention, your first focus. No matter what you're going through, good or bad, physical, astral, causal, mental, etheric, soul, doesn't matter. No matter what, it's all the same. Loving just loving, and it all unfolds. Then you get to truly sit back and enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience. And when you know the truth of it, you'll even have some fun going through the negative stuff, believe it or not. Just like I told you my experience just the other day. Even that now amuses me. It is amusing when you really know the greater truth of life itself and the experience of being in that loving in its purest, greatest truth beyond all, not only illusion of this world, but even in the realms of spirit when the soul returns into the beingness of God itself there is no experience. That's the amazing thing. When a soul is in the very being of God, there is no experience. Experience came as God created. It is in the creation that as a soul moves through the creation, even in the spiritual realms, that it experiences. But once the soul has moved through all experience and returns into the very being of God, there's no more experience. All there is is simply beingness. 
wrap your head around that one. All there is is beingness, pure loving being, not experience, just beingness. That's the greater journey that we, the soul, are on in returning into that state of beingness that God is and where we are. All the rest, even through the realms of spirit, getting to that point, are part of the soul's journey. Sure, part of it's through the realm of illusion, and the other part's through the realms of truth, of spirit, and God's creation. But even through that, the soul is returning back into that beingness, that original state of just being, loving, loving, being, and no experience, just being. That's where we're going. So as long as you're still having experience, you're not done. Keep on going until there's no more experience and all there is is being. And from there on, truly is just to be. Even in the experience, you just be. I'll share a little story about my first understanding of fear. <clears throat> I was six years old, and my favorite vegetable in the world was spinach. I loved eating spinach. And if I had a choice at home at night for dinner, I would always be the one saying, no, no, spinach, spinach. So one night I went over to a friend's house for dinner, and his mother asked me what kind of a vegetable I would like. Do I like vegetables? And I said, oh, yes, I want spinach. I love spinach. And she told me, well, we don't make spinach in this house because my friend, her son, was very afraid of spinach. And I went, afraid of spinach? <laughs> and I went to his bedroom where we were playing, and, uh, and I said, why are you afraid of spinach? Well, you know, spinach is wonderful. It tastes great. It makes you feel good. And uh, he said, oh, no, spinach is terrible. You don't want to eat spinach because it makes your arms all blow up. And I went, what? He said, why do you think that? And he goes, haven't you ever watched Popeye? He eats spinach and his arms blow up. But I don't want my arms to look funny like that, so I'm not going to ever eat spinach. And I said, that's what you're afraid of? And he said, yeah, I'm afraid that my arms are going to blow up. I'm not going to eat any spinach. You can't make me eat spinach. And I said, well, I'm not going to make you eat spinach. I just wanted to know why you were afraid of spinach. And I learned from that how we can let little fears, illusionary fears, run us. He had watched a cartoon, watched something happen on screen that was just a make-believe, and in his mind it became real, and from then on, it was running him. And he would just avoid spinach at all costs because of what it might cause in his body. We run those kind of illusions. We don't even realize how much we run simplistic illusions that we took on in our childhood or yesterday. 
and absorb them into our consciousness, and now they run us. Now they hold us in prison in some form. They stop us from moving forward. They stop us from experiencing. They stop us from growing. They stop us from becoming the truth of who we are. And so the key is, is to pay attention to all those things in us that seem to stop us from ever moving forward. And realize that most all of them are something that resides inside of us. Not out here in the world, it's inside of us. We've either created it or we've accepted it from others. And we're allowing it to now take charge over us. It has dominion over us. You know, when I was growing up and I was a teenager, there was a day when all of a sudden I realized something. My mom and my dad had dominion over me. They could say, no, you can't. And I had to do what they said. Because they had dominion over me. I had given them dominion over me. And the world told them that they had dominion over me as my parents to safeguard to protect, to guide, to direct. But there's a point in a child's life as we grow up where we have to begin to say, wait a minute, maybe you don't have so much dominion over me now. Maybe now I can make a choice. Maybe I like blue and I don't like red so much. Yeah, we're the red family. We all wear red, but no, I'm going to wear blue. It's just becoming aware and beginning to make choices as to how we truly want to live our life and not let anything have dominion over us. Well, my friend was allowing this fear to have dominion over us. If he eats spinach, his arms are going to blow up and look very strange. I remember sometime after that going back and saying, are you afraid you're going to talk funny too? Because of how Popeye talked. And we sat and we laughed about that. And he said, no, I never thought about that. He says, that, that's another reason why I don't want to eat spinach. <laughs> and we played with it for a little while. And then one day he came over months and months later to our house to eat. And lo and behold, we were having spinach that night. And I immediately turned to him and I started to say, you know, you don't have to eat spinach, but we're, all, we're going to have spinach tonight. And then I thought, you know, I'm just protecting him. Now I'm supporting his process of fear. I'm supporting his process of letting have this energy have dominion over him, this belief system that he's taken on and created and runs. He was feeding it constantly at some unconscious level, and it had power over him. So instead of that, I said nothing. I knew it. I almost said it. I could... Feel the words just in my mouth ready to be spoken, and I stopped. There was something inside of me that just stopped it. And we sat down, and we started eating, and I was kind of watching him, and he kind of moved the, the spinach off to one side. And you know how spinach can be a little bit wet, and sometimes the juice is on your plate? And he even lifted the plate up and kind of made sure the juice went back into the spinach so it didn't touch his food. And so nobody said anything for a while, and then my brother said, to him, he says, I gather you don't like spinach. And he goes, well, I don't know if I like it or not. I won't eat it. I don't know. 
And he says, well, you'll never know unless you taste it. And my mom said, you know, Gene, stop it. Just leave him alone. If he doesn't want to eat it, he doesn't have to eat it. And my brother said, I'm not trying to make him eat it. I'm just trying to give him a choice. It sounds like he doesn't want to eat it for some reason. You know, my brother, I've never told the story, so I, I don't know where he was coming from. And he tried to get him to eat the spinach. And my friend went into real resistance and just stopped eating. He wasn't going to eat anything if he had to eat the spinach. And so finally my brother gave up, and we finished dinner and walked away. We were going to go back into my room now and play. And he said, wait a minute, I'll be right back. And he went into the kitchen and he asked my mom if he could taste the spinach. But he just wanted the littlest piece so his arms wouldn't blow up too big, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and he did. He, he tasted it. And he walked back in, and I didn't know what had happened. He walked back in, and we started playing. And he went, I'll be right back. And he went back into the kitchen, and he asked my mom if he could have another bite. Well, by then it was in the refrigerator. I guess she got it out. He tasted a little bit more and tasted a little bit more. And he came back, and he says, all right, all right, I get it. I'm just letting these things control my life, aren't I? Now, this was at six years old. And he said, okay, so now I can eat spinach and my arms aren't going to blow up. So what else do you see that controls my life? And I said, I don't know. I just heard the spinach controlled your life. You have to find out what other things control your life. Months went by. At the end of school, he walked me. We walked back home together. We often would walk back from, from school or take the bus back. And we sat down in the bus. I think it was in the bus. We sat down, and I'm not sure if it was on the bus where we walked back. We sat down somewhere, and he opened the, his notebook to the very back and said, look, look, look. And, I, and he said, this is the list of all the things that I'm discovering about myself where I live in fear and that I can overcome my fear just by entering into it. And he said, you know what I discovered more than anything else? He said, I found the key to overcoming fear. And I said, you have? Tell me. <laughs> I want to overcome my fear. And he says, you love it. You just love whatever it is you're afraid of. You just go up to it and say, I love you, inside yourself or in the world. In the world, they won't know what you mean, and they'll look at you like you're crazy, but they'll transform in front of your eyes because it changes inside of you. And I said, you have got a wisdom here that if you live by, you will overcome everything and become exactly what you want to be. Well, years later, we, we were together for first and second grade. Then we moved. And I didn't see him until I was in the 11th grade. He happened to move from one district to another and ended up at the high school I was at. We both looked a little bit different. I didn't even recognize him at first, but he was in my homeroom class. But the third or fourth day, as she was calling the roster, she called out a name, and I went, what? And I looked over there, and it was a very unusual last name. I realized it was him. So I went up, and I said, hey, do you know who I am? And 
all of a sudden it dawned on him, and we started having lunch together every day and, and really going into friendship. And so one day at lunch I asked him, I said, so how do you do with fear now? And he says, fear? Oh, my God, I don't even deal with fear. You know, if anything, I find fear is a key. He says, every time I find fear into my life, I know that that's where I have some of my, my strength and my power locked up. And I'm going to always enter into my fear if I have to, to get that freed up so I have the strength and power to go on and do my life the way I really want to and be successful. And I listened and I learned a little bit more from him about fear and overcoming fear and moving through fear and having fear work for you instead of against you. We stayed friends after high school, off and on. He went off to university in another state. We lost contact for a while. And then one, one year, he tracked me down, and he gave me a call. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm graduating. And I'm graduating from university, and I would like to see if you'd like to come up and, and witness my graduation, because you've been somehow very active in my life in a way that it frees me up to, to do what I'm doing. And I said, well, what are you going to be now? You know, what, what's your degree? And he says, oh, I'm going to be a medical doctor, and I'm going to be a brain surgeon. And uh, I'm now going uh, into residency to complete the studies for that so that I can really do a practice. And so I talked my parents into helping me with an airline ticket, and I went up and saw the graduation, and we spent a few days together. And it was just amazing to witness how he, who was afraid of spinach and was letting that fear hold him back for fear of what it would do to his body, had overcome so many obstacles in his life in order to stand in the truth of who he is and to live the life that he wanted to live. And he was a very good example for me throughout all those years. Every time fear would come up in my own life, either inside of myself or in the world, I would just remember him saying, oh, no, you love it. You just love that fear. And I would. And I remember it wasn't too long after uh, he actually began to do his practice up in Boston that I was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember I knew I had cancer before I went in for the biopsy. I knew it. And I confronted that cancer inside of me and the fear that was around cancer because, boy, the world has put so much stuff around cancer that it builds fear in us. I confronted that cancer in loving. I confronted the fear of cancer in loving. I confronted fear itself in loving in such a way that by the time I had the biopsy, by the time the doctor walked into my hospital room to tell me I had cancer, I was in a place of neutrality. Not in reaction, not in fear, not in reaction to fear, but in neutrality. And he told me, I didn't react, I said, okay, thank you, so now what do we do? Well, he had never seen that before, and he went into reaction. He went into fear. And we sat and talked about that for a while. 
If you ever find yourself going into reaction, love the reaction and love what it is you're reacting to. Because in the element of reaction is fear and the want to take control. But whenever you go into fear and you live under the fear, the fear now has control. To get the control back that you have now given to fear, love it. Love the fear. Love the element that has stirred the fear. And you can take that control back into yourself and live your life fully. And what have you given up? You've given up the loving that is the truth of your soul, a little element of it. You've gone into reaction and moved out of the neutrality, out of the loving, and gotten caught up in something outside of yourself, the fear, the belief, and you've given your power away. Love it in the true loving of neutrality, and you claim that power back. You claim your authority back. You take charge of your life once again. And it's an amazing process to live more and more in that state of being non-reactive, but ever active in your life. So that's my experience of some of what Brian was talking about today. All right. Isn't it fun? All right, thank you all very much. Yeah. Laura was asking if I've had an experience with Blaine on the other side. Yes. It's interesting. He was very addicted to cigarettes. And he, that was part of his illness that, that took his life physically. Um, and he struggled with it all the way up to his last breath, literally. That was his challenge. And it controlled him. And the one thing he as an initiate was afraid of is that he would look towards his addiction on the other side and be drawn into that in the astral realm where a lot of our addictions run constantly in the realm of imagination rather than look towards the light of the radiant form or his own soul and go higher he would look to his addiction and into the cigarettes and follow it and go into the darkness of the astral. And why he asked and knew and was concerned about that is because months, uh, uh, several months ago, almost a year ago, he died of a heart attack in the hospital and they did revive him. But while he was out of body in that death experience, he did experience just that. Rather than looking to the radiant form and the light and his own soul, he did look to his addiction and he did follow into that dark energy and got caught up there. And he said the one thing that scared him was that when he looked into that and started following after that, he could not function in a way of conscious knowing. He was just following after the movement of that energy in the darkness. And he couldn't remember the name of God that was given to him initiation. He couldn't remember to call out the name of his spiritual teacher. 
He could remember to look back into the light. To the right, he just looked into the left side and went to the darkness. And that's what he was afraid of. And so when he came out of the hospital and we had a talk, he began to truly, vigilantly meditate on the sacred name more and more than ever before. Because he did not want to go to sleep again into the astral realm and into the illusion and chase after that. He wanted to stay awake on the other side and continue the journey. Well, he, when he died on Thursday morning, he did look back into the darkness. He did start looking into that. And he even walked down that pathway a little bit. But because he had been meditating, that name was now living in his consciousness, that sacred name, in such a way that what he did do was let that name begin to repeat inside of him. And if you've ever done this meditation for a period of time, you might have realized at some point in your life, not maybe in your meditation, but just in your daily life, that all of a sudden you find the name is just chanting, is running. Or that you go to sleep in your meditation, but when you wake up, the name is still going, even though you're not consciously thinking about it. And that's what was happening to him. And that drew him to look back, and all of a sudden he saw the radiant form of the spiritual teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. Now this didn't happen instantly. This was over a matter of some element of time within hours of our measurement. But then he did look over, and in that moment when he saw the radiant form, he let go of his addiction. And the Holy Spirit took his hand quickly and took him up as high as he could go, getting him away from those elements that had trapped him so long. And he went quite high. So his journey will now continue from that place to go even higher and higher to anchor himself finally in the soul realm and not have to return back here. That's what the grace of the Holy Spirit will do. But we have to choose into that grace. We have to choose into that light, into that sound, into that sacred name. It's our choice. And he was at a choice point and he knew it. And fortunately that name dwells so much in him and was rechanting itself over and over inside of him that it helped him to make the choice to go with it rather than into the illusion once again. So that's a good question. Thank you. I'm glad you shared, asked that. That's why, you know, we, we approach life, death, the continuation very differently than a lot of people do. And you will too, as you continue doing your meditation, you will approach this, this experience that we call death as just another part of our journey, just another part of our experience. And if grace be there, you'll actually begin to witness life beyond death for others as well as for your own soul. And begin to truly see the continuity of this movement. Okay. Anything else? <laughs>
<laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much, and uh, I guess we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>